0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now Jesus tells the disciples, If you love me, you will obey what I command. What was that? Were we taught as good Lutherans that nobody keeps the law perfectly? And didn't the Apostle John himself write, That if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in us. We even confessed that earlier today at the beginning of our service. So what is Jesus saying to us? If Jesus is saying that those who love him will keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, then he is saying that no one will ever love him. Because all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. I know that I have not kept the Ten Commandments perfectly, not even this morning. And I'm pretty sure that none of you have kept them either. So what did Jesus mean when he said, Those who love me will obey my commands? We want to find out, because we want to... Love, the one who loved us so much, he laid down his life for us. The answer to what Jesus meant comes in a number of different places. The first place that we will look is in John 6. In this chapter, there were people that asked Jesus, What must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered in this way, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. John also backs this up in his epistle where he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not just 80%, not 90%. He purifies us from all unrighteousness. And Paul also agrees when he writes this. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. To which the law and the prophets both testify This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. In other words, when we have faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection, you are completely forgiven. You have obeyed all the commands of the law because through faith, Jesus' perfect obedience was placed on you. When the Father looks at you, he sees the work, the perfect obedience of his Son. You have been covered in righteousness. This is an amazing thing to think about. As we sit in our pews right now, we know that we have grossly disobeyed God. We know that we have not loved God with all of our hearts. And we know that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And this thought should terrify us. These are the requirements of the law in order to obtain eternal life. And we have not kept these commandments. The Bible says if you sin in one of these commandments, you have broken the whole, all ten. And the Bible says that the wages of this sin is death. And Jesus tells us over and over again what we have earned is not heaven, but hell. But thanks be to God. If. We trust in Jesus. It is not what we get. Remember, Jesus is coming into this world to rescue you, not to condemn you. We already stand condemned because we broke the law. But he has come to show compassion as the hymn that we just sang says. He's come into this burning building, which is this world, to pick you up and carry you out to something that will never fall apart, heaven. At your baptism, you received a righteousness that comes in faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. We read in 1 Peter just a little bit earlier that says that baptism now saves you if you have not been baptized, I would love to talk with you about it. Because it is the means by which Jesus rescues you. It unites you with his death and resurrection, as it says in Romans chapter 6. It says, if you have been united with him in a death like his, you shall surely be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism is the means by which he grabs a hold of you and clothes you in righteousness and carries you out of this burning building. John writes, This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and has sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice. For our sins. Love doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. John also writes, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. And then it says, brothers, as a result of this, we also ought to love one another. That's First John four ten and eleven. In our gospel, Jesus goes on to say, "I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth." We're kind of shifting gears here, but in this text, Jesus is telling us that He is going to give us the Holy Spirit. Us meaning the Church. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, and one of his names is the Spirit of truth. Last week's gospel lesson had Jesus saying, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. And if the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, he is the Spirit that proceeds from and leads to Jesus In fact, Jesus later says when the Spirit of truth comes in John 16, He will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's job, His job, is to point you to Jesus. It's not to get you the great career, it's not to get you the great promotion, it's not to lead you to the one that you're going to marry. His job is to lead you into all Christ. The scriptures tell us that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We are only saved through faith in Jesus. And that is the Holy Spirit's job to bring us to saving faith through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring about belief in the hearts of sinners. Romans 5 tells us that we're not only weak, we're not only sinners, we were enemies of God before he sent his Son to save us. And how do you know Jesus? You know him through the word and the word of God alone. That's where we encounter him. That's where he is made known to us. And the Holy Spirit says, look here. This death, this resurrection, this man's miracles, this man's work. He is the fulfillment of what you failed to do. And look here, he did it for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes, trusts in him, shall be saved. The world does not accept Jesus. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world wants to justify itself. It wants to live under the illusion that it's keeping the Ten Commandments. It wants to live under the illusion that, you know what, I'm really a good person. No, you're not. No, I'm not. I can't see inside your head, but I know I can examine what's inside my head. And I know that it falls way short of loving God with all my heart. And it falls way, way short of loving my neighbor as myself. And if you are the slightest bit like me, I know your thoughts fall short as well. Not only do my thoughts fall short, my actions fall short. And so do all of ours. Every sin and blasphemy, thanks be to God, will be forgiven. men. God puts up with a lot, but Jesus says, the only thing that will not be forgiven, but is this: He goes on, that the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Do you know why that is? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to deny the Holy Spirit's work. And his work is to have you trust in the one whom God has sent to save you. If you say, no thanks, Holy Spirit, I desire to go at it my own, on my own. I am a good person in myself. We bring ourselves back under the law. Which only condemns us. The Holy Spirit takes us out from under the law to be under the grace of the Son. This is where we want to stand in grace, not under condemnation. But if we deny the Holy Spirit's work, which is to bring us under grace, We choose to stay right here. And you can't stand under the law. I can't. You can't. Nobody can. The law not only judges the outward actions of men, it judges the heart, our intentions. Jesus goes on to describe the comfort that comes from not rejecting the Holy Spirit, the comfort that comes from standing in grace, when he says, You know the Spirit, for He lives you, He lives with you and will be in you. And you heard Him right. Part of the Holy Trinity lives within you. This is mind-blowing. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. The church. He always points us to the Father to see things that are not seen. That's why the church sees in simple bread and wine the Son of the living God. That is why the church saw in that simple man with nothing good about him that we should want to follow him, Jesus, the Son of God. The church recognized her bridegroom because of the Spirit living within her. And Jesus promises, not only do you have the Holy Spirit, But I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. With the eyes that the Holy Spirit gives the church, we see him in every page of that Bible. We see that the whole Bible points to our rescue. We see those waters not just as tap water, which that's what it is, but not just tap water, but it is water mixed with the Word of God, which makes it a life-giving water, rich in grace and a renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He pours out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Titus 3.5 see bread and wine for what Jesus says it is. Take eat. This is my body. Take drink. This is my blood given, shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. And when we hear those words from the pastor, I forgive you all of your sins, we see right past the messenger, right to Jesus, who commanded that those words be said to you. You stand forgiven the eyes of faith that the Holy Spirit gives you, sets you free. And Jesus says to us this morning, because I live, you also will live. And on that day, the final day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. Forgiveness sets you free. And what are you free to do? Anything that you want to do? Any sin that you so desire? No. You're set free to love. And love is the fulfillment of the commands. Now we return here each week. We read the Bible throughout the week because each and every time we go to do love, that hook, that old Adam, that sinner that in us always grabs right a hold of us and pulls us to where we, won't want, we don't want to go. And we say once again, Jesus, save me. And he says, I've already done it. Come back under my wing. Right? He says, I've already done it. I forgive you. Now walk with me and let's do what love does. Let's help our neighbor. Let's help the less fortunate. At the end, when we receive Christ in the body and blood, we pray, may this gift that you've given us strengthen our faith in you, which is always lacking, and strengthen our, what? Our love for one another. We don't just need his rescuing yesterday. We don't need it the day of our baptism. We need it until we're home. We need it all the way to heaven. I love how Luther notes that we are simultaneously saint and sinner. That reflects what Paul teaches in Romans chapter 7. We're at conflict. We want to hate the sin that keeps calling us back. And we want to love the precious blood that was shed for the forgiveness of those sins. Until that day, I can't wait For that day, he who loved us will reveal himself to us fully. And until that day, we thank Jesus that he has reminded us this morning of his beautiful promise. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.